0: I, I, clear as day in my head even when I was a kid at school why do you have to be different why can't you just go along with everybody else that's probably the only thing I can remember back to I guess culturally or values wise in my mind is I always wanted to challenge it I always wanted to do something differently and then probably as I've gotten older on this path I appreciate the fact that I, I don't want to die wondering I don't wanna die with expectations or things unfulfilled where I didn't have a go at it. And I like disruption. I'm uncomfortable with being the same as everybody else. And it's the same as Mark Twain said, that whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. But I just refuse to be part of the herd. I don't, that doesn't, it's not my thing. I'm happy everybody else to do it, but it's not my thing. But I think now as I get older and I've done more and I've sort of proved to myself that you, you start by doing a day and you will get to a point where others will say, you know what, how did you do that, man? Like, how did you go about doing that? And you actually did it by doing a day and just having a crack and making the decision to get up from the table, push back from the coffee table and make a call.
1: That is Gary Burt Whistle and I'm Ryan Falchuk. The Do A Day Podcast. Where you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them and have turned around to help others with what they've learned? I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Day-doers, welcome to another episode of the Do A Day podcast. The guy that I have on today's episode, Gary Burt Whistle, is such an amazing human being, and I really stress the word human. You'll hear in his story how he just does everything for others it's so much of his focus so he's always had a passion for innovation and creativity and he's a he's a public speaker and he's had this career across retail and music and radio he's got an incredible podcast called the mojo radio show which i was on which is how we met um but like that's all that's all nice but then you hear about what he really does gary has raised over 20 million dollars for cancer research he has become a firefighter because he didn't like seeing people put at risk their lives, their homes for the, uh, the constant sort of brush fire risk that they have in Australia where he's from. And he puts his life on the line to save the lives of others. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's like any challenge that's in front of him and especially ones that him achieving it would help the lives of others. He's in like a hundred percent and it's, uh, it's incredibly inspiring. He's also written a ton of books, six of them, about creativity, about mojo, and um, values, and and about cancer, too. He's just, he's so dedicated to improving the lives of others. I don't want to take any more time from letting Gary tell you all about himself. He's awesome, you are going to love this. And um, we have a few laughs, quite a few laughs. I think we probably, it takes like 15, 20 minutes till we're actually talking about the meat of the interview. Just enjoying, laughing with each other. Anyway, hopefully you guys enjoy this and you get to see some of the power of Gary whistle and think about what you can do in your own world. How can you help others with your impact? The great Gary whistle thank you so much for joining me today. It's a great pleasure, mate. As, uh, as I'm saying today, I realize it's not today for you. It's tomorrow. You're coming from the future. And let me tell you what's going to let
0: me tell you what's going to happen. What day tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> did
1: i win the lottery yet no yeah.
0: <laughs> but you know that horse you backed in race three uh it didn't win my sorry. sorry oh,
1: yeah. i'm so I, I am intent on winning the lottery i'm not going to play it i just want to win it i'm still still working out the, <laughs> yeah. the details um all right well when you find out that i won let me know and then i'll i can still buy the ticket before it's too late see it's it's a perfect setup done. we've got done yeah um all right well thanks for joining me today and um Take care, and we should we should get back on track. <laughs> oh, wow, you're good. You are very, yeah. very good. Well, I'm professional for all the um, <laughs> the poor listeners that have already caught this. The the 17 to 18 million listeners of this podcast, give or take 17 to 18 million. Um, we we'll get back on track. Gary, you're awesome. You had me on your show a while ago. I think it's the uh, still the, the most interesting mix of laughing my ass off and talking about something really really serious at the same time and then um, I didn't tell you how I listened to the episode but I was painting I was repainting one of the rooms in our house and and I had it playing when it came out and I actually dropped my wife still doesn't know this happened I dropped a roller covered in paint all over the wood floor and uh, then was like because I was laughing too hard I was like scrambling to clean it all up um, and since she won't listen to this podcast, I don't need to worry about her hearing that. But, <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Um so you have this great show that you can tell us all about, but um Mojo Radio, what's 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 the purpose of that? And then we'll we'll kind of back into everything else that you do and how you got there.
0: Well, the the, the back end to it was I I bought a farm, which is where I live. I live a couple of hours outside of Sydney in the central west we call it um over the blue mountains and i bought a farm there and i was traveling backwards and forwards to do speaking gigs and that sort of thing and i was doing it once a week and i I actually worked my way through my country music library this is sort of before the time of spotify and the same country music music like the same kind
1: of twang type sound we have in the u.s or does that mean something different in australia
0: no, it means Jason Aldean and Kenny Chesney right, and Brooks so Dunn and, Oh, yeah, it's all, all right. the, it's all the good things, yeah. And uh, Cadillac 3. Anyway, so I um, decided to go back into podcasts and I started listening to podcasts again. And my background back in the day was in radio. And what I found was that podcasts had come a long way in the, since i listened to them last. But what I found was that the content... That the interview uh, had was getting very limited because they pick a particular topic then run out of content and then it started being repetitious And I also found the quality of the recordings and or the production was quite poor and I found it quite hard to listen to So as all good ideas start with you solve your own problems So I rang a guy who I worked in radio with a rock station back in the day uh, Robbo and said why don't we build a show that's got great guests? We'll do a lot of work on researching who they are to bring value out of the interview and you do cracking production. We'll make it sound like a proper radio show. And he said, sure. So we started the Mojo radio show without much more than that as a clue. Uh, we're now five seasons into it and we get to speak to people like you, which makes our day. So um, it's going really good. And it's, I think it's by far the best work i've done a long long time because we get quality people like you who've written great books and we get to chat yeah and you guys have an awesome interaction between each
1: other and i mean that not in the american sense of awesome which i've come to understand we overuse awesome and it's meaningless but like it's like oh my shoes are still tied awesome but like genuinely you, you guys are you're hilarious together um
0: yeah it was it was a lot of fun well, we, just being caught between you and darren We've got a lot of history together. I think that's the thing for us, Brian, is we we have spent many long nights and early mornings in a recording studio with artists who used to come to the radio station. So we got to know each other really well. And we got to watch a lot of great radio announcers and production teams um, work on their craft. So as a background to it, we came into podcasting a lot different to people who start out who don't have that background. So I've got you know, a producer who works on radio stations all around the world from his studio um, and having watched some great announcers, some of the best in our country work, you just pick up the tips. And we've just tried to put into the podcast world to make a show that really people will enjoy, people will have a bit of a laugh at, but most importantly, will take value from and we don't want to waste anybody's time.
1: Yeah. And as much as it's funny, actually, you have some really uh, inspiring, empowering guests and it's I, I love that mix of levity, but also something really serious that you will grow from if you listen to it. So it's like you'll, you'll grow and get deep, yet you'll enjoy yourself and have fun at the same
0: time, which is a tough mix to get, but you get there. I think we work hard at it. I think it is it is something, it, a lot of it does come spontaneously for us because we know each other really well and yeah. we, we genuinely enjoy getting guests on the line. And it's really interesting because some guests, it's, it's because podcasts are becoming a new medium now, Brian, what happens is you get some guests that come on who are used, to, and I'm sure you get this, who are used to doing interviews. And the first 10 minutes are their standard reply, standard, regardless of what you ask them, it's a standard reply. And it's not until you get about 10 or 15 minutes in and you can turn them and they go, okay, this... This is a little bit different. This format is different. These guys do enjoy themselves, but the questions are challenging and making me think. You can almost hear that turning point where they start to become an authentic interviewee. And that's the moment that we crave is getting someone to be authentic, finding questions they haven't been asked before and sort of looking behind the curtain backstage and say, well, who who is this person and why, why do they have their mojo working?
1: Mm. Yeah, you know, for for me having told my story as many times as i have that's something i struggle with is i'm like oh god here we go again if anyone's heard me before i'm gonna be like oh this guy like i've heard this story before (laughs) (laughs) but it's you can tell from from the recipient side a good host who can can get that turn can get you to break out of the like you just recited the same thing you've recited a hundred times over Mm. and start to get into something real um Speaking of which, we should turn and get into more of the 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 thing that for me was the clincher and wanted to have you on, and that's your focus. I mean, so look, even before we started recording, I found like seven other reasons why you should definitely have been on the show, but the one that <laughs> the one that that brought you here, the one that was like you got to be on, is this this focus that you had on cancer and supporting people who are going through it in a variety of different ways with the Torah cure, six strings for cancer. You've had this focus on raising money and raising support for people battling with cancer, and you didn't even necessarily have that much of a direct like it. You weren't a survivor; it wasn't you know right within your midst. Although like you said you had a couple of uncles who you lost to it, but then through the journey,
0: then it hit you at home. So, is that am I getting that right? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I'd worked in the corporate world for many years, and I'd done pretty good and i started running marathons which i know you can relate to and i got to a point where i'd done a few marathons around the world and the cartilage in my right knee wore out and the doctor said to me well you're done until we can invent a new cartilage for your knee to compete on so why don't you buy a bike so i bought a bike and a guy who was a a mate of mine helped me learn to ride how to click in and Mm. how to stop and the whole thing and we'd been riding only for a couple of months and we sat uh having a cup of coffee and he talked about wanting to and he was he used to be a bike courier and he used to work in the states and do bike tours for people and he talked about doing a, at something for a charity involving the bike and because i was a former endurance runner and now I turn to the bike i said why don't we do an endurance event which raises money for something yeah and he said, that's a really good idea. And I said, well, let's, let's decide right now. We're either going to stand up from this table and do it or let's just say, you know what? It's a good idea, but uh, look, we're not going to do it. Let's not dick around. And he said, okay, let's do it. So he rang a car company called Lexus who gave us some vehicles. And the next day we were riding down by one of our beaches and we were riding on the promenade and we passed a guy running, a guy called Denver Bevan, and we caught up for coffee. And told him what we we're going to do, and he said I'll come with you. So suddenly we had three of us. And as Derek Sivers, the guy who created CD Baby and one of the fantastic bloggers, says wow. that when you're creating a tribe, it's not the first, per- it's not it's not the people who come up with the idea, it's the first person who buys into your idea that creates the tribe. Mm-hmm. And to this day, Denver was the one who created the tribe because he believed in what we had in mind. So suddenly we had a thing. I remember going back a week later at the same coffee table and sitting down and going, okay, well who are we going to give the money to? Yeah, We went through you know, a bunch of different charities and then I remember the conversation. We said, you know, a three-year-old little girl can get cancer. She didn't smoke. She didn't eat badly. She wasn't stressed. She wasn't doing too much work. She just got a bad hand. And when we thought about cancer as a topic, it doesn't discriminate and it can happen to your grandmother, your best mate. Uh, I've met iron men who've, who've had cancer. Yeah, It can happen to a little girl, a little boy. And that was our choice. The choice was made. And so at that time, to your point, and I hadn't even realized my two uncles had died to cancer, one very quickly, and one had a 14-year battle with it. Uh, But then as we got into the tour and started getting some success and having a good time with it, then my dad had cancer. Jeff's family went through it. Sam, who was... Another partner in the, she, her mum went through it, who's still going through it today. So, what was interesting with the Brian is we started doing it over the next number of years because it's been going 11 ideas. Oh. The more we did it, the closer it sort of closed in on our family. So, mm. um, it never started that way, but it certainly became that way.
1: It's so like cancer saw the threat in you and wanted to take you down, <laughs> but you weren't going to let it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's funny because. You once you start in the journey and you start to hear the stories on the road You start to hear the stories from survivors people write to you. I've done a book on cancer You just realize how prevalent it is and how it's not just that person who gets diagnosed, but the impact it has on Family it has on friends yeah. and there's a lot that we don't understand about the impact It has on those around us and not just a person going through it so I've kind of been pretty immersed in that world for the last sort of decade Mm -hmm. Um, and also observing people who are doing beautiful work to put an end to it. Yeah. So I I don't remember if we got into this on your show, but when I
1: ran my first and hopefully not my last marathon, uh, I ran it for St. Jude, which is a a children's Mm -hmm. hospital focused on providing free cancer care and not just the actual cancer treatment, but holistic care. So they put the family up, buy the food, you know, all of it so that the family, because when you're talking about a, a child, the family is going through it as well. And it was that aspect of it. You know, it wasn't just the the child going through cancer. It was the way that they recognized, look, this is an entire family illness. It's an entire family battle. Um, and that's why it was an important cause for me. So you, you saw the same sort of thing. Is It's bigger than just the patient.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it, hearing you say that two, two moments come to mind. The first one we were up, we were training one day early on in the tour and we were up in the mountains at the back of Sydney training and there's a little roadhouse up there that sold terrible coffee but it was coffee nonetheless and we were sitting down, it was maybe half a dozen of us, you know, there in our colourful lycra and little click-in boots and our expensive bikes and a bunch of bikies turned up, motorbikes turned up and they walked over towards us and I thought, oh, here we go, this is, this, this is not going to end well. And this guy walked up and he put his hand out. He said, I just want to shake your hand and say, thank you. And I said, for what? And he said, I know you give a lot of money to Camp Quality, which is a charity here in Australia, which supports children and families with cancer. Mm. And their motto is laughter is the best medicine. And it's such a beautiful organization. And he said, you funded a national camp that 180 families went to. We funded it. Wow. And he said, we went to it. And what it made us appreciate that we weren't the only ones going through it. And you hear stories like that and go, okay, this is this is a something. And there are people who have this challenge that you don't really consciously think about. Mm. And then the second part was that I was always very selective with who we gave money to. And we gave money to, speaking of children, to a lady called Professor Michelle Haber, who runs the Cancer Institute um, here in in Sydney at the uh, Lowy Institute. And I remember one day going to visit Michelle, and she said, look, come for a walk through the ward. And she went through with one of the leading doctors who ran the hospital. So the institute was right next to the hospital. So stuff they were working on, they could implement because they were in the corridor. And I was walking through the hospital with Glenn Marshall, who was the doctor, and Michelle. And she took me past a window. And there was a little boy inside this cubicle by himself with a telephone in his hand. And his parents were on the outside where I was standing on the telephone talking to him. Oh. And this kid was laughing and chatty and full of life. And I said, what's, what's happening here, Glenn? He said, that little boy is going through bone marrow transplant. Yeah. So he has to be in complete isolation. So here he is laughing and carrying on. And he would have been, I don't know, five or six with his parents on the other side who can't touch him. Yeah. And I went, man, you talk about inspiration. I mean, yeah. that was a moment where you go, you know, riding and a big day on the bike is hard. Give me a break. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like a, have a have a reality check. I wanna I wanna put what you've done
1: in perspective. And I think when you talked about one hundred and eighty families, maybe some people got a sense of it. But there's people who set out to raise money for cancer and they raise thousands, and that's amazing. I remember I, I raised like fifty five hundred for St Jude, and I was I was one of the top five fundraisers, and I was really proud yeah. of myself for doing that. <laughs> you've raised over 35 million australian dollars is that right yeah yeah it's just the and i know there's a there's a whole army of people behind that and there's a lot of people who gave to make that number real but um that's the uh that's where it all came together for me is you're you're having an impact on such a profound level that is game-changing levels of support that you're putting together
0: it, it is, and it's, it's funny though, Brian, when you think about the impact. We, we had a guy named Jimmy J who was a driver for us in our early days and then became one of our cooks on the road. And Jimmy J was a window cleaner, and he was out one day cleaning windows on the Gold Coast up in Queensland in Australia here, and he's cleaning windows, and the young guy next to him, they're having a conversation just cleaning windows in the sunshine. And he said to this kid, have you had a prostate check?" He said, what do you mean? He said, well, just have you ever had your prostate checked? He said, no. He said, well, you should do it. So Jimmy J gave him an understanding of why it was important, how how it works for men, what you do. And this kid did have a check, and it turns out that he did have early-stage cancer in his prostate. So had Jimmy not been exposed as a driver to the tour, the people, the messaging, how it works, an understanding of prevention, why it's important, and then be able to tell the story to be of service to somebody else. It's that sort of stuff we don't appreciate with a true understanding of getting behind a cause. And I guess so many of those beautiful messages of guys who, who've been in part, and the money is a great thing, don't get me wrong. The other part of it, though, is how we can help people purely by being of service to them and sharing a message and or being support. Yeah. Wow. So it's, I mean, there's something about helping to save multiple lives. There's
1: another about seeing the direct, like one life right in front of you that may have just been saved through your work. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Um, And in the midst of all this, your dad gets sick.
0: Yeah. And it was, um, it was obviously a shock on the flip side. I was also comforted when he rang to tell me because he lives in Brisbane and I was in Sydney at the time. I was also comforted because I felt as though because I had done a lot of work in the area yeah, that I could access information for him. I could give him some sort of, not even support, but just an understanding of, okay, here's what's going to go through. And although it's crap, it's not the end. Yeah, And here's what we need to do. But I I remember – probably the most important thing straight up with my dad because of, I mean, this is maybe five or six years into the tour. And I remember saying to him, are you going to fight this thing? And he said, Oh, well, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a debilitating thing. And I said, no, no, it's not good enough. It's either yes or no, because if it's yes, let's get after it. If it's not, then you've got to do some real thinking because the first thing you have to do is approach this thing. And, One of the people that very early on we gave money to, who is an outstanding individual, and his name is Dr. Charlie Teo. Dr. Charles Teo is one of the best neurosurgeons in the world. He's always on a plane flying somewhere in the world to do brain surgery on somebody, and he's a passionate advocate to put an end to brain cancer. And I remember interviewing Charlie, and I said to him, what do you wish people knew about cancer? And he said, I wish people knew that cancer is a formidable foe mm. and we have to be as aggressive with it as it is with us and so the first step for my conversation with my dad is say are you going to have a go at the- are you going to fight this thing are you prepared to do the work and he said yes and i said great let's let's get started and thankfully he went through the whole thing and we made a lot of changes to his diet and his exercising and how he approached his his um treatments um and he's now probably five or six years out the other side of it, thankfully. And uh, he's, he's fitter for it. He's healthier for it. He's probably better for it in some ways. Um, and he's still playing bowls. Do you know what bowls is? No. Well, <laughs> yes, but maybe no. Lawn bowl. Ball, lawn bowls. Not okay. camping bowling. Lawn bowling. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> we, yeah, so we we had to have a, a little bit of a laugh because you made a comment with a few Australian words in them. And I, I figured out some through the context, and then I was like, "Yeah, I just don't know what that is." But Have you Google what a Lamington is yet? No. Are you were you were you playing with me that it's uh, it's not actually a cookie?
0: Yes, I was playing with you. Uh, a Lamington is an I- iconic part of Australian culture. Oh. And if this, you can this imagine, this doesn't sound good, Gary. I don't. I don't like no, where this no, is it going. Is, no. No, it is, it is a, I'll, I'll do my best to visually it's draw a, a picture. It of... is a s- small cake and it is the size of a small box and it's covered in chocolate icing and sprinkled in coconut. Oh, all right. There's nothing terrible in it.
1: <laughs> I'm waiting for the, and it's made from the testicles of some kind of goat or, no, okay. it's It's literally just a sponge cake with chocolate and coconut. Sounds great.
0: Okay. And it's, it actually is iconic
1: in Australian culture. That and Vegemite, which I made the mistake Vege- of mentioning Vegemite to a Brit who was talking about Marmite and he was insisting how different they are and how Marmite's good and Vegemite's bad. And the reality is no, they're the same and they're both <laughs> disgusting. They're not actually meant to be eaten. They're just meant to make <laughs> Americans uncomfortable. That's it. Yeah. Um, Well, okay. Going back to things that are less hilarious and more on topic. Um, I do, I didn't expect to get, to get this other piece of it, but as we were talking before and you started, we were talking about the wildfires in California. Um, and so I got to learn another side of you in your, your fire volunteer work and what drew you to that. And I I want, I want you to, it's rehashing it because we talked about it before. And yes, I have it recorded, but I don't want to splice it in. I want to hear it live. What brings you into that? You you keep taking on these challenges that are so outwardly focused. It's really, really inspiring. But the way you talked about it
0: was even more inspiring than I expected it to be. So I'll give you a 60-second background at how it happened. So I had been living on the farm. I'd had it as a weekender for a couple of years. We decided to move up full-time, and we had a tiny cafe which used to open on Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, and I was sitting in the cafe one day after school drop, and I was sitting with a bunch of mums, and they were talking about how their husbands who'd been out fighting we had a very, very big fire here a number of years back called the State Mine Fire, and it was some three thousand hectares across the Blue Mountains, and it took homes, and it was it was our big, big fire, and they said, "Ah, oh, the boys got home last night at two o'clock," and I had to sit up. I had to get up and, and rinse their eyes out from the smoke. And they slept and they've gone back out there again this morning. And here's me sitting there after the school drop going, can I have another macchiato, please, mate? And I just felt I've got to I've got to be a part of this. And yeah. I came from a household that never even had a hammer, Brian. Like I had no skills, no building, no handyman, no skills whatsoever. I flunked metalwork, I flunked woodwork at school. And I thought I number one have got to do this because you you can't be sitting here looking at everybody else doing the work and not contributing. Number two, these guys are my mates. Yeah. And number three is I am so not conditioned to do this. This is so out of my comfort zone, so I have to have a crack at it. So the next morning, I went down and met with some of the dads and I shook hands and said, Great, I'm in. And it scared the living daylights out of me. You cannot, I cannot even explain to you how out of my comfort zone that was. And so uh, the group captain came to my home, built the paperwork, and suddenly I was off the basic training. Wow. Within, I don't know, three or four months, we had a fire that was right near my property, and it stopped, and there's no exaggeration, from my kitchen window, I can see where the fire front finished, and it was maybe 500, 700 metres, and I was in one of the trucks, and I heard a call come over the truck saying, we're on the crest, I'm not sure if we can hold it, if it had gone over that crest, it would have taken it home. Wow. And I remember, vis- I remember visualizing being that guy on television saying, well, you know, the horses are safe, my family's safe, I lost everything, but uh, we can rebuild. And I thought that's gonna be me. Yeah. And it was that moment where the whole being of service in the fire service in a country area became very real to me and very important to me. So also out of context for me, I started to learn more about it. So I started going to doing more courses, I got nominated to be a deputy captain and then I did the crew leader course and now I run crews and now I'm able to supervise and I keep doing more and more work and growing more and more. But the the work on a fire ground and I suspect it's no different to the wildfires that are currently happening in the States or in Greece yeah. is that in the the difference is when you're a volunteer is that you can work all day on the farms. You're up at sunrise, It's four o'clock in the afternoon, which is where most fires start in rural areas. And suddenly a pager comes out and you're in your car, within 10 minutes you're in a truck and you're going out to save someone's property. Mm. You've already done a day's work. And then suddenly you're going out completely free of charge. There's no, no money, no nothing, no pay. You're just there because somebody you know or somebody near where you know has got a fire which is threatening their property, their family, their livestock, their infrastructure, nature and you can work on the fire ground until two o'clock in the morning, shoulder to shoulder with somebody who's out there as a complete volunteer and all they want is a sandwich and a bottle of water and they're good to go and do that day after day. And as we were saying with your wildfires, they're going to be done for week after week after week, completely voluntary and yet they go home smelling like a burning log, have a shower, go to bed, get up next morning, go back out to help somebody else. It's, um, it's by far the most rewarding thing I've ever done.
1: Oh, we and we talked about that notion of the the volunteer and what it means to, to live or to, to serve in the way that you just described. They're not in it for anything. It's purely Definitely. about the values. It's purely about the mission. And they have their own life. And, and it's not like life on the farm is an easy life to begin with. So to, to toil from sunrise forward and then save someone's life or their, you know, their, their ability to live where they live and then wake up a couple hours after getting home to do it all over again for, you know, not for pay, not for glory, not for anything. The, the most you can hope for is a chance to be on my podcast, but otherwise not much.
0: <laughs> that, says, that says a lot. But it's true. You know, oh, yeah. there, there is, there is something I, I've been on properties, where we have saved homes. Like the fire line has been coming at a home. That could be a fifth generation, the great, great, great granddad set up back in the day. And you have been there with the other guys in the brigade or a few brigades from the region. And you've saved that property for that family. And you've saved that history that have gone on. Um, And then you'll go to the pub on a Friday night. And old mate who owns the the pub has put his credit card down and said, anybody in the fire brigade, you drink for free tonight. Mm.
1: That's pretty great.
0: So... That's that's the only thanks that yeah. anybody wants is yeah. to know you've done a good job and you've you've actually you know helped out in some way and it's completely voluntary.
1: Yeah, that's the kind of thanks so that's uh, that comes from a place of of recognition and values and from the heart and not here's some stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, that I mean. But again, it's it's a it's a different impetus for doing it in the first place. That's it's for purpose. It's for values. It's for mission. It's for caring about other humans.
0: And I think it gets into you. It gets into your soul, you know, and there is, there is certainly a rush. It's bloody hard work. There's no question about that. It's long, thankless hours to do it, but it's just the best. I mean, and to be true of service and and be able to get back in the truck and know that, you know, you've really put in a long day or a long night or a long mornings work. Um, and it's, it's funny because Australia's just sent a number of we were just saying off off air uh, I think we've sent 130 or 135 firefighters to California to fight the wildfires. Yeah. And those are guys that are going across there because they want to be of service. Now we're in our winter, although we have had four or five fire calls in the last two weeks here in our in the middle of our winter. Uh, just to show how dry it is here. But these guys are going across there to still be of service as firefighters or crew leaders or you know. Um, incident controllers. Um, and I think I think it's a great thing for people to be involved in, whether it be coaching a footy team or working at a PNC or whatever it may be. Is that true volunteer work? I think that is such a fulfilling thing um, as part of our world. Yeah. What is a PNC? Parents, <laughs> so, <laughs> parents and citizens at your school. So it's the group of parents and, and citizens who would meet once a month to direct School funding and school events, uh, so fates and fairs and gotcha. sporting events and things like that, is in a voluntary sense, yeah. All
1: right,
0: we would. Lamington, Lamington drives. <laughs> we um, he's talking about the PTA for
1: all the Americans yeah, listening. Yeah, sure. um, footy. I figured out football, <laughs> soccer. That one I'm good at. You don't. You don't mean the pajamas with built-in feet. That was the uh, the only other it interpretation does. of it. See what I mean, Gary? We mix purpose and and difficult stuff with a bit of levity.
0: Not necessarily it's good so levity, well.
1: but levity. It's, it's,
0: yeah. it's why we get on so well, mate.
1: If, uh, if Robbo's ever busy and you need someone who can't actually produce the show, let me know.
0: <laughs> well, he I'm has been dragging it. the chain lately, so you may get a call up yet. Lately. <laughs> um, I don't know where we're going
1: from here, but I don't really care. It's... Uh, it's been a lot of fun and inspirational at the same time. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we get to reconnect. Um, I feel like there's probably another aspect of your life that we haven't touched on where you, have I don't know, resurrected the dead or, or did some other amazing deed for people. Are we missing anything humongous that you've done aside from being a farmer, being a volunteer, firefighter, um, raising literally tens of millions of dollars to help save people's lives and support those who are going through the battle with them I don't think there really is any room left to do anything else but is there something else I don't know about you
0: I work from time to time I mean I do a bit of work in between which is speaking and writing and stuff um but no it's, it's 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 just a matter of looking at stuff, I think Brian and and going, you know, how do I get uncomfortable with this and having a crack at it? And I just see stuff that I want to have a crack at. And the fire brigade has been an amazing thing from that. You see opportunities to progress and do stuff. Uh, I did a a thing called the mojo journal, which I did through Kickstarter, which was a combination between a book and a journal, which had never been done in the world before. And it was just, I just don't want to die wondering. So I had this idea for stuff and I think I should have a crack at it because I speak a lot of innovation and creativity disruption i thought well kickstarter is a good place to do it you can't really talk about kickstarter unless you've done it mm. so i did the journal through kickstarter which got funded and it's now in its third reprint so oh. it's i don't know i just see stuff that's worth having a crack at and i don't want to die with the music in me like i don't want to die without having a crack at it and the the volunteer thing has been a big part i think it's also a nice thing for us to do to Represent in front of our children our families because game recognizes game when kids see you doing it and see you putting in the work and see you Making a difference and 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 getting after it. I think it's a great Mirror for our children and we know that's a precursor to happiness is being of service to others So with all these things and it's really it's what's really interesting with this brian is I remember that first cup of coffee with jeff We had the idea for the tour I went home to my wife and I said nobody I know, nobody in my family has ever done anything for anybody else. Now they might have mowed the lawn for them or picked up the kids, that sort of stuff, but not in a true volunteer charitable sense. And I think making the decision that day to actually do something, regardless of how successful it was, but deciding to do something and actually going through the organization of it and taking a few risks and stuff, I think it definitely changed the trajectory of my life where suddenly it's now on the radar to say, well, how can I be of service? Because you get the most back from it. Like you, although you're being of of assistance and helping others, regardless of the numbers and the outcomes, when you focus on the process of going through that, it changes the trajectory of what you do, the confidence, the scale of what you can do next. And, I don't know, it, it actually gives you, it changes your whole approach to your world and what's important. And I think that's, as parents and or leaders, I think it's really important for us to do that, to be a mirror for our children, to help them take on that trajectory in part of their world. And ideally, you know, it makes all of us better. So I was going to wrap things up, but I have to ask you,
1: this this is coming to me right now, it's- whether you've always been this way, this desire to get yourself uncomfortable, a little bit of maybe proving something like on the Kickstarter piece, but the challenge, the, that, that seemed hard, that seemed uncomfortable, so I did it. Has it always been you or did something turn you to be
0: that way? Ever since I was a kid, so my dad was in the bank 33 years. So he only ever had one job. So he had one job his whole life. And dad was a very secure guy, never had investments, lived in his one home, had a big mortgage, paid it off, worked nine till five. And he was very, very structured in what he did. And he used to get so frustrated with me because he'd say to me, why, why can't you do the same thing as everybody else? Why do you have to be different? I I clear as day in my head, even when I was a kid at school, why do you have to be different? Why can't you just go along with everybody else? That's Probably the only thing I can remember back to Brian, I guess, culturally or values wise in my mind is I never, I really, I always wanted to challenge it. I always wanted to do something differently. And then probably as I've gotten older on this path, I appreciate the fact that I, I don't want to die wondering. I don't want to die with expectations or things unfulfilled where I didn't have a go at it. And I like disruption. I, I'm uncomfortable with being the same as everybody else and it's the same as mark twain said that whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority it's time to pause and reflect um and even Robert, this morning we recorded the show this morning Robert said oh can you take a photo and put up on facebook and i said i don't use facebook because the majority do and i don't so i don't i said i'll take a photo and send it to you you can put it up if you want but i just refuse to be part of the herd i don't. that doesn't it's not my thing i'm happy everybody else to do it but it's not my thing so has it always been? I don't know, maybe in some degree, but I think now as I get older and I've done more and I've sort of proved to myself that you you start by doing a day and you will get to a point where others will say, you know what, how did you do that, man? Like how did you go about doing that? You actually did it by doing a day and just having a crack and making the decision to get up from the table, push back from the coffee table and make a call. So it kind of has, but it wasn't an overt thing that yeah. – yeah. I don't know. It, it, it kind of, when I think back, it was, but not as an overt thing, like this is part of what I do. It's just, yeah. you just do it. Yeah. Mm. yeah.
1: And this do a day idea, this very interesting concept. i have, have to write that down. That's an interesting phrase. Uh, it's a
0: good book. Look, I, Oh, the it's a book. It, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The guy that wrote it, uh, look, he's good. He's good. And I would, um, I think there's a lot of value in it. um,
1: his podcast very good. The podcast is quality. I've <laughs> listened to it before. The book's like, yeah. Um, he's, he's pretty fake. I, I'm not, I, I, I don't care for him.
0: Um, <laughs> it's a good premise, mate. I've got to say it is such a bad, and this is not just because you're here, but the reason we had you on the show, yeah. and I have had a number of Australians who have bought the book and written to me to say that they appreciated the show and what you have written. The premise of what you've done is very, very valuable is breaking it down to the first step and just having a crack at it and then reviewing it and going again. And, mate, I could trace exactly what you've said back to everything I've done from Mm. making a decision at the coffee table with the girls and going, I'm going to do this, going and seeing the guys next day and shaking hands. Once you're shaking hands, you've you've made a commitment. Now I'm on the road as much as it was uncomfortable, I'm on the road. And it was just that whole thing of just each day going through and going, you know what, I'm going to go to this course. I'm completely out of my comfort zone you know what i'm just gonna get through to five o'clock yeah and i think it's such an interesting premise and i trace your work back through everything i've done in my life and it's it's such a valuable tool well i appreciate that i i mean obviously i see it too but
1: i better see it um but i'm not, I'm not surprised also because you've got a bit of endurance in endurance sports in you um, and I think it, it's a really good analogy for that too, because you can't, you can't do those kinds of miles, whether it's on your feet or your seat, um, without some sense of, look, I'm facing this right now. I'm not going to face the entire distance because there's good days and yeah. bad days and there's, you know, striking heat and, and whatever that makes the totality of it too much. Um, you know, or, or the totality of your training plan or whatever, or facing a fire. You know, we were talking before, it's, it's, uh, early August when we're recording this. And, um, I was, I saw something today about these California wildfires that given the current conditions, they'll probably burn into mid to late September. I think they were saying, mm. I don't know, you know, if you, if you're in the throes of that hell fighting that, the idea of battling it like that for two months is just, it's too much. But look, you're not battling it for two months right now. So that's, that's the choice is you, you're battling today's battle today and that's it.
0: And it's interesting if you break it down into that analogy of the wildfires, the hotshots are out there right now protecting people, protecting property, and restoring normality, putting things right. And they're out there with a Rayco, a blower, a chainsaw, and all they can really work on is that meter in front of them. Yeah. Once they've done that meter, they're going to work on the next meter in front of them. And they know that their brother next to them is doing that same meter and they work. To water away from in order to build those fire lines and put the fire out and even if you're on a fire ground where the fire's been through and you're blacking out or what they call mopping up you can only really work on what the hose can hit and you have really got to do bit by bit by bit by bit and that's really how people approach a marathon mm. they shouldn't think about 26 odd miles they should think about the next drink station, or think that through the next mile, or I'm going to run till the, 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 the that corner that I recognise because yeah. I've seen the map, and that corner.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's the same principle. And uh, if those guys are thinking about working here until mid September, it's all over before they even start. They can all they can work on is just today's job is to get this meter done, then that meter, then that meter. And yeah. uh, tell you what, full uh, full credit to those guys. They're out there and they are busting some serious butt to. Uh, to save people at the moment that hats off hats off to the hot shots i tell you
1: yeah yeah and let's hope that they're successful a lot faster than people think it'll be for everyone's yeah, sake absolutely um gary thank you for being on it's uh it is awesome genuinely to get to connect with you i loved being on the show and i do you know having seen the sales in australia it's possible that everyone who bought the book reached out to you <laughs> I'm not saying whether that's a lot of people who reached out to you or both of the people. No, I don't, I don't remember the exact number, but um, that that actually like that blew me. Well, actually, today found the email, um, the first email you had sent me asking if I would consider being on the show. That one of your listeners had reached out. That that blows my mind. Um, that's so cool. I just think when you're you're trying to do something with purpose and people notice it. Um, that's a great sign that, yeah, it's having an impact. So I
0: appreciate that. And I've loved getting to know
1: you along the way. It's really been valuable.
0: But isn't the podcast world just fantastic, Brian, that, you know, somebody yesterday, I was doing a speech in, uh, in Sydney for a group of CEOs. And the lady said, oh, how do you monetize the show? And I said, well, we don't. I said, part of our thing is we don't, sadly, don't have any sponsors <laughs> or <laughs> any advertising. And uh, we did get to, I think I told you, we got two free beers, uh, two free cartons of beer from well, Tosaki, uh, which was great with a letter saying, thanks for talking about us on the show, which was yeah. great. Um, which we just did again. FYI. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Please send beer to San Diego. And uh, I don't live in San, San Diego. <laughs> That's twice now. You
1: said it on your show too. I wish I lived in San Diego.
0: You're north of San Diego, aren't you? I, I don't.
1: I live on the other side of the U.S. I live in the Northeast.
0: Didn't so, you say we started recording? You you actually no. What we when we started recording, you talked about San Diego.
1: I might have been smoking, so I don't know. No, I I've I've been to or maybe San you Diego knew once. somebody.
0: Maybe you knew somebody who lived north of San Diego I near have, the wildfires.
1: Yeah. Oh, today I thought you were on your show. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah, these wildfires. Okay. Uh,
1: a previous yeah. one, but yeah. Yeah. No, I I live close to New York. Yeah. Right.
0: Okay. But with a better um, baseball team. Uh, go on. <laughs> but the, the value of podcasts, which I think is great, is being able to make these connections. Because without this form of media where you can find a best-selling author and write and say, look, I'd like to interview you, and you can spend a good quality amount of time chatting yeah. and diving and so on, I, uh, I think it's fantastic. I've so enjoyed that as an outcome of podcasts, which I never expected from the start. But some of the people, and then you can make, you'll write a second book, we'll get you back on again. And you build this connection over a number of years so yeah. that if you were, if I was traveling to America and it was, it was, you know, available, you sit down then have a cup of coffee and it'd be like catching up with a mate. And I think it's uh, such a valuable part of the podcast in media. Yeah. We can meet in San Diego. It's beautiful. <laughs> That's, that is a beautiful place. Yeah. It,
1: no, it is. Um, Yeah, that's absolutely true, because if you just randomly reached out to me, I'm from Australia, I'd like to talk to you sometime. That's great. I don't know if I'd respond or be like, honey, there's a creepy guy emailing me. I don't know what that's about. Come look at this. (laughs) But he's got a podcast, and he's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, it really, it has been been fantastic. And I think looking at the timer on the recording, I think we talked about a half an hour before we actually officially started talking. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Which is just goes to show we've never met. We just connected through this stuff. And um yeah, yeah when when you find someone who's got purpose and, and you guys are aligned, it, it's pretty easy.
0: Well, you're a cool guy, mate, and uh I look forward to catching up again real soon. How's your second book going? It's coming along, and now that I know
1: I've got a show to go on to
0: uh, promote it, then I'll
1: have to do that. I it's I will say all the other stuff I've been doing has been getting in the way, but I just I, I told you I just did a um I think I told you, so I just did a TED Talk this weekend. Yeah. It's tied to the second book. And while doing it got in the way of having time to write, it did bring a lot more focus to what I need to write. So I hey, think right. actually indirectly that just put me a lot further ahead. It may mean I need to start over, but that's okay. I've got more clarity on, on how to tell the message now. Um, so, yeah, I, it it's coming along. I wanted it out this year, but honestly, mm. sometime in 2019 is fine with me. And I think I can do that. I need to, I need to take some days off and just pound the words out. I'll get there. Just pump it out. Yeah, exactly. I, now I have the message, you know, which, which is the, the trickier thing with do a day. I've been living that message. It's been in my head for like five, six years before I ever actually started typing. Um, hmm. so it was ready to come out. You know, all I need to do is get a keyboard out, but, uh, this one's different, but now I feel very ready for it. So it'll come out and then we'll sit down again.
0: Mm, that's cool. Well, mate, whenever you're, uh, whenever you're done, it's out and you're ready to promote it. We'd, uh, we'd be delighted. Absolutely stoked to have you back on. Cool. All right. We will close
1: things up and we'll have to speak again, but thank you so much for being on Gary. Oh, I didn't even say, where can people find you?
0: Uh, probably the easiest place is just go to my website, which is garybertwistle.com. Uh B E R T W I S T L E. Uh, Gareth one that's probably the best place and I, I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, so just not I don't Facebook. really, yeah, I don't really use the other socials yeah. I mean, I take a lot of information from Twitter, but I don't really post a lot there, but I just find that LinkedIn is probably the one that I gravitate the most towards because most of the work I do is with people who are in business of some yeah. description and yeah. I post business stuff to make you better, so I don't really want to post here's a photo of my coffee. So um if anything, look me up on LinkedIn if I am really easy to find or on the website. And the radio show we do on iTunes the podcast is called the Mojo Radio Show. And uh go back what, three months ago, mate, you were there? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's it's a great show. I mean honestly put my episode aside, it it, it is a great show. It's really entertaining and inspiring at the same time.
0: Oh cool. Thanks, mate. Well thank you for having me on. I, I have just loved catching up with you.
1: Yeah, same here, Gary. Alright, you gonna close it out with me? Yes, sir. All right. Today's a new day. Go out and do it. Excellent. Thank you, man. Take care. Go on you, mate. See you soon. Bye. Bye Brian. I told you Gary's awesome. And hopefully you guys were as amused by that as I was. I uh I think I was less professional than I should have been, but I don't really care. I was enjoying it. And uh he's he's great. And you didn't even hear the like thirty minutes before we started recording where I don't even know what we were talking about, but it was funny. Uh, either way, Gary's an awesome guy. You can see what I meant before the show about impact, about being a human and how it makes you think about what are you doing in your life and how could you help others through your actions because that's exactly what Gary does. Go check out GaryBertWhistle.com. Go to TheMojoRadioShow.com. The show a blast. Like it's, I said in... in in this interview, but it's such an interesting combination of hilarious and inspiring at the same time. Like he can be serious and have a serious conversation with a serious guest yet make it light and enjoyable too. It's, it's such a cool balance between the two. I don't know how he does it, but it's awesome. So check those things out. And of course you got to check out more about do a day and about the work that I'm putting out there. If this is speaking to you, subscribe to the show, go to do and sign up for the updates Get some of the free content at doadaybook.com slash theexercise so you can start on your journey because I'm sure these episodes are speaking to you and you're wondering about the ways you can do even more in your life to keep pushing yourself forward. And I just want to help you do that. That's why I do the show. That's why I put out all the content that I do. I hope it's making an impact and I hope you like it. So doadaybook.com or brianfalchuk.com, sign up, get the updates, get the exercise and keep growing yourself today is a new day. You got to go out and do it. Thanks so much, everyone.